Welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast series, Through the Bible in a Year, where we come together for daily reading and reflection as we journey through the scriptures. Let's dive into today's episode with Pastor Chris Miller. Hello and welcome to day number 14 of our Through the Bible in a Year reading program. Welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching the video, of course, welcome to you too. Uh, this is day number 14. Well, I hope your reading's going well. I hope uh, you have found the time, the discipline to stick with it. Uh, it can certainly be challenging, but I just want to encourage you to keep going. Uh, if you memorize today's memory verse, you probably have an idea of where we're headed today. Uh, we're talking about the most talked about talking point that's talked about in the Bible and probably one of the more controversial ones as well. Uh, it's mentioned more times, well, this particular topic is mentioned more times in scripture than anything else in some form or fashion. And this particular topic also has a tremendous amount of stigma attached to it. Unfortunately, it's something that everyone is definitely familiar with and everyone has an uh, opinion about it as well. So our topic for today, what do you think is the most talked about topic in the Bible? What does the Bible address more than anything else? There are over 2,000 verses in uh, the Bible that address this particular subject in one form or fashion, or so I've heard. I can't uh, honestly say that I've taken the time to read through and count them all myself. That's just something I've read. Uh, to give you an idea of the scale of that, um, the second most talked about thing in the Bible is mentioned in around 200 verses, and that is love. That might not come as much of a surprise, but what is number one? The most talked about topic in the entire Bible is money and possessions, your treasure, your stuff, whatever you want to call it. Now, why do you think that is? Why does the Bible address that topic so thoroughly? Money, possessions. Is it because God wants your money? Um, God doesn't have a mortgage, car payment. He already owns everything, so that's certainly not it. He doesn't need or want your money. Um, yeah, if you're if you're watching the video, by the way, my wife last week told me, she said, that microphone is way too big. You got to do something about that. So I switched out the windscreens this week. Hopefully that helps. But side note there, from a biblical perspective, uh, God already owns everything. So God's not after your money. That's pretty obviously he, obvious he has no need for it. Um, one of the struggles with money is there's, so much stigma attached to it, especially around church, around pastors talking about it. Um, that's just reality that we have to deal with. And that stigma is the result of a few things, I suppose. One of it is the greed of the charlatans who you know do try to fleece people. And let's not forget the greed of those who want to attach stigma to church and money. Um, that's a potent combination. And I remember before I started going to church, I, I thought the same thing. I was always like, ah, churches just want your money. They're just out to get you. I used to think every pastor was a charlatan and uh, that's ironic, isn't it? But here we are now. 
And I've seen that same mindset in a lot of people. And I've had interactions with people who feel that way. And, and I understand where they're coming from because I've been on that side of things myself. And having spent time on both sides of the issue, I can personally say with confidence that there are many easier and more lucrative ways to make money than pastoring a church. Um, if my goal were financial success or even financial security for that matter, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be doing something else, but that's not my goal. So why does the Bible talk so much about money and why is there so much stigma attached to it? The Bible talks about finances so much because everyone struggles with it. Every person everywhere throughout history has struggled with finances, money, worrying about it, um, attaching too much security to it, things like that. And God's way of dealing with finances, um, with that struggle in general, um, security, finances, treasure, your stuff, collecting things, wanting things. Um, God's way of dealing with that is, is the best way. And it can set people free from a lot of worry and dissatisfaction and anxiety if we are willing to listen to what God has to say about it. And the fact is, is that, you know, um, pastors and churches are not out to get your money, at least the great vast majority of them. Uh, the percentage of those who might be is so small that it's really irrelevant. Um, contrary to public belief, um, churches operate on a uh very small bank balance. Uh, most church budgets are probably smaller than most household budgets. Um, but anyway, let's set the stigma aside for a bit and look at some things the Bible actually says about money and possessions. We'll talk about them anyway. We're going to do that by looking at part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon or, you know, it's a Sermon on the Mount. It's called a Sermon Jesus um gave covering a whole bunch of different topics and you could talk about it for ages. I think there's been more um, literature published about the Sermon on the Mount than just about anything else. Now, our modern Western cultural view on morals and ethics are basically footnotes to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I heard somebody say that the other day and I thought, wow, that's a great saying. And it's ironic when people point the finger at church finances when their views on greed and finances have been formed by scripture, probably some of it by Sermon on the Mount. In context, when you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you see a bunch of everyday people who are following Jesus and he's talking to people just like you and me with real worries and real problems and real struggles. And Jesus addresses real world everyday issues in the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and you can read it in about 18, 20 minutes, something like that, which is about the same length as your average TED Talk, which I think is interesting. If you ever watch any of those, some of them are quite good. And yet there have been volumes written about the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said a tremendous amount in a very short span of time. And we're going to do our best to take some small pieces of the Sermon on the Mount today and learn what he wants us to know about um, finances and money and take a little time to try to put that into practice. And we're going to start reading um, from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 19 through 21. 
which was part of our reading uh, this past week and contains our memory verse for today. And in our passage, Jesus talks about some things that are a big part of our lives today. Money, possessions, prayer, worry, um, anxiety, all of those things. Those are things that just about anyone would say, yes, those are personal concerns of mine. At least some of those would be. And Jesus talks about these things together because they're all very closely linked. When you think about money, possessions, worry, prayer, anxiety, those are very closely linked things. They're topics that are near to each of us. And they tend to play into each other. They're somewhat interwoven. So let's read from Matthew chapter six. We're gonna read verses 19 through 21. And it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we're gonna start with verse 21 where it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is Jesus talking about when he talks about treasure? What is your treasure? And I think, you know, your your money, your finances, your possessions, all that stuff's your treasure. I think there's basically two kinds of treasure, uh, the money and possessions that we usually gain through money, the possessions we buy with money. Uh, we usually determine the value of possessions by how much money they're worth. We have another possession that I think uh, we could also categorize as part of our treasure. And that is much more difficult to put a dollar amount on. And that is our time. So we have our stuff and we have our time. I really think that would make up the bulk of what we might call treasure. Um, Firstly, I think time is our most valuable valuable possession. And the reason for that is because we are always spending it and you can't make more of it. You only have so much. It's a very finite thing with money. You know, you can curb your spending and get your finances under control. You may be able to find ways to make more money, uh, but you can't make more time and you can't stop spending it. It's always being spent with time. Every second that ticks by is gone forever and you'll never get it back. And you can't make more of it. You can't buy more of it. It's very much a finite thing. And if I were to ask you, what would it take to solve your money and time problems? If I were to ask anybody that question, most people would answer, well, more time and more money. If I had more of it, that would solve my problems. Well, you can't have more time. You know, you might be able to manage it better, but you can't have more of it. You may be able to make more money, but more time and more money aren't the answer the Bible gives for solving money and time problems. They're not the answer that we need. More of it is not going to make the problem better. The reality is, is that if we have money problems with a little bit of money, there's a high probability that our problems would just get bigger with more money. And that goes along with the biblical concept of, you know, if you're faithful with a little bit, you're going to be faithful with more. It's, it's a very similar thing. So more money isn't the solution. You know, and of course we need enough to get by, but for most of us, we have that and more. When we're looking for a solution to our money and time problems first, it's essential to recognize that spiritual things and financial things 
are very closely linked. We probably don't give that a lot of thought, but that is very true. Spiritual things and financial things are very closely linked. People want to opt often separate those and push them apart, but we really need to consider them together to understand them well. And that's why Jesus talks about money, possessions, worry, anxiety, and prayer together in Matthew chapter six. Jesus says that wherever our treasure is, our heart will be there also. And that's very important. That means that when it comes to our treasure and our heart, we're going to find them in the same place because one follows the other. Do you want to know where your heart is? Do you want to know what is really most important to you? It might be something different from what you think it is, but it's easy to find out. Um, If you look at your calendar and you look at your bank statement, wherever most of your money goes, wherever you spend most of your time, that's where your heart is. And you may or may not like that. They may not be where you want your heart to be, but that's where it is. Just because your heart is there, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're happy with it, but that is where it is. Wherever you spend your money, wherever you spend your time, that's where your heart is. So your money, your time, and your heart are all hanging out together. And Jesus is telling us that, you know, wherever you're, wherever you're spending your time, wherever you're sending your money, your heart is there with your time and your money. So with that in mind, we can determine where our heart is. We can see where our heart is. And uh, by choosing, we can also determine where it's going to be. And we can determine where it's going to be by choosing where we send our money and choosing where we spend our time. How we manage our stuff our possessions, our finances, how we manage those things matter. How we manage our time matters. And if we aren't careful about how we manage it, our heart may end up somewhere where we don't want it to be. And it's important to understand that our treasure does nothing we don't tell it to. You know, your money doesn't drag you down the aisle at the grocery store and force you to buy chocolate. Uh, Money doesn't wrestle me down on Sunday night and say, okay, you're going to go get takeaway tonight, or you're going to go out for dinner tonight. It doesn't force me to do that. I tell my money what to do. It doesn't tell me what to do. We decide where our treasure goes and we decide what it does. I'm responsible for my decisions involving my time and my treasure, my finances. And if we're dealing with money problems today, it's likely because of something we told our money to do in the past. And as we discuss, we often think that time and money problems would be fixed if we had more money and more time. But it's very important to understand that more money and time won't change how you feel about money and time. There's more to it than that. It takes more more than just that, more than just more to fix that problem. God wants us to know that we can and should be satisfied where we are with what we have. But how does that happen? It happens by understanding what Jesus means when he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you hear that, take note that that saying of Jesus, it's not a command, it's not an accusation, it's not a judgment, it's just a simple statement of fact. Wherever you tell your treasure to go, 
your heart is going to follow it. It's that simple. Unfortunately, many people, many, well, maybe some of us live under the tyranny of treasure. Um, Australia, the average personal debt right now is uh, over $20,000, $20,238, I think is the average at the moment. And that does not include home loans. Um, that's just personal debt. And when that's the case, when we have that much debt, treasure becomes our master. And the problem with treasure being your master is that it's, it's a tyrant. It's terrible. The Bible tells us that no man can serve two masters. And if you live under the tyranny of treasure, you have a difficult time serving Jesus as your master. And when we live under the tyranny of treasure, we feel like we're controlled by it. Our lives revolve around it and we feel trapped by it. And there's really, I don't know if there's much worse than feeling trapped by something like you're in a situation that you can't get out of. And we feel like we don't have enough treasure. We feel like our treasure has constantly been sent off to people and places that we don't even know. And for a Christian, if our treasure is running our life, it becomes our idol, even if we don't really want it to. And it takes the place of God in our life. We place our need for security in treasure. And Jesus can't have, you know, access to your heart if he doesn't have access to your treasure. That's just reality. So how do I break the tyranny of treasure in my life? When it comes to your finances, your stuff, your possessions, your time, your treasure, Jesus doesn't want to control that. He doesn't want your treasure to control you. Jesus wants you to trust him in every area of your life, including your money and your time. So how do I break the tyranny of treasure in my life? The way you do that is through generosity. Like so many other things in the Bible, it's counterintuitive. You solve your treasure worries by giving away your treasure, which, you know, Seems counterintuitive. And, you know, don't get the wrong idea. I'm not talking about giving everything away. That would be silly and irresponsible. But generosity breaks the tyranny of treasure in your life. It breaks that hold that it has on you. When you start to give generously, it removes that obsessive control that treasure has in your life, that that desire to hang on to it, that that you know, nagging need for more, that worry, that concern, you know, am I going to have enough? Even, you know, secular financial advisors will tell you that. Generosity takes away the control treasure has over your heart and it gives your heart control over your treasure. And the reason the Bible talks so much about money and possessions is not because God wants to take that from you. It's because he wants you to be free from that tyranny that your possessions can have in your life. So here's some homework for this week, something to think about, something you might try. Um, You may be someone who is already generous and practicing generosity. There are some people like that that just have a gift for it. Um, And, you know, you think, well, money doesn't stress me out at all. It doesn't bother me. Or you may be someone who thinks, well, I can't be generous because then if I do, I won't have enough. I won't be able to get by if I decide to be generous. I just won't be able to survive if I do that. 
a few years ago, I was talking to a doctor. This was, gosh, this was a while ago now, probably five, six, seven years ago. I don't remember exactly, but this particular doctor, he'd been in practice for over 40 years and he was uh, subbing in for the guy I had intended to see, but I went in and talked to this doctor. And of course, any doctor you talk to is concerned about your physical health. That's what they do. But how many doctors do you see who are also concerned about your mental health, which many more are now, um, but even your spiritual health? Probably not that many doctors take that into account. Now, we're threefold beings. We're physical, mental, and we're spiritual. And many people neglect their spiritual health. And there are, in my opinion, a lot of cultural problems that could be made better or even solved if people took better care of themselves spiritually. So go to church. The doctor I was talking to gave me a prescription of sorts for my well-being. It just kind of came up a conversation. And part of what he said or his advice was this. He said, when you eat or, you know, and you have a plate of, of food, he said, don't eat it all. Save some of it back. And he wasn't talking about my physical health. He wasn't talking about, you know, controlling my weight and my appetite. He said, for instance, if you have some bread, take part of it and give it to the birds. Um, take part of what you have and give it away. You don't just toss it in the bin, but give it away. And this was this doctor's advice for health and well-being. Be generous with what you have. Now, our dog trooper would think that was a wonderful idea. Very sound advice. I'm sure he would agree wholeheartedly. But this is very close to the biblical prescription for spiritual obeying that will break the tyranny of greed and treasure and worry and the anxiety that often comes with that. Um, and that doctor had been a doctor long enough to understand that the tyranny of treasure is a real problem for people. He'd been around long enough, seen enough to see that that was a problem. And it's not always just about greed. You know, having enough is not greed. We worry about having enough often when we don't really need to. And we give when we give part of what we have away, it shows us that we have more than enough and we don't need to worry about it. That's one of the benefits of being generous with what you have is you say, well, look, I have more than I need, obviously, because I can give some of this away and it breaks that, that power that finance can have over our life. It shows us that we can trust God for his provision. And if we spend all of our, you know, our time, all of our treasure on ourselves and keep it all for ourselves and we're not generous with it, our hearts are going to follow our treasure, just like Jesus says they will. And we're going to focus on ourselves if we keep it all for ourselves, we spend it all for ourselves. And then we're going to focus inwardly. And that never goes well. When we try to satisfy ourselves with more and keep giving ourselves more, more is never enough. You know, when we are self-focused, when we are wanting more, depression and anxiety are likely to follow. And when someone's depressed, they're very much focused on themselves, thinking things like, I'm such a terrible person, or I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that, I don't have enough of this, I don't have enough of that. Anxiety, depression are things that are very much focused inwardly. 
And this, you know, is not just about supporting our church financially. Now, we should do that, of course, but also just about being a good Christian in day-to-day life. Be generous with everything you have, you know, whether it be your time, your treasure. It's good for our well-being to do that. We become worried, anxious, greedy when we're always concerned with time and possessions. And that's, that's something that we all struggle with from time to time, something that we all deal with at times. And this is all the stuff Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six. And when I talked with that doctor, we talked a bit about you know church and things like that as we would. And we had a very pleasant conversation and I ended up spending about, gosh, I was probably 30, 40 minutes talking with his doctor. Yeah, but because you're probably curious, he was not a Christian, by the way. But that doesn't mean he doesn't understand something about how generosity and well-being go hand in hand. And, you know, which is what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6. Generosity in all things, with all of our things, can help us escape the tyranny of time and treasure the tyranny of the urgent, all of those things, and set us free to live a life with Jesus as our master instead of tyranny and time and our possessions as our master. So think about it this week. You know, where can you save a little bit back? Where can you give that away? Not just in money, but in all things. You know, where can I spend some some time giving a little bit of time away, giving a little bit of finance away, giving a little bit of something I have away? And when you practice generosity, what you're doing, instead of, you know, your heart chasing after your treasure, wherever it ends up going, you know, where wherever that debt might be, when you practice generosity, you begin to tell your time, and your treasure, where it's going and what it's going to do. You take charge of it. You rule it instead of it ruling you. And that will break the tyranny of the urgent, uh, and the tyranny of treasure in your life. When you do your Bible reading each day and you say, okay, I'm going to set this side time aside each day. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to read scripture. And you give that time to the Lord, you'll find that you don't actually lose time, but you gain it. And you're less less stressed about the time the rest of the day, less tyrannized by it. And doing that, being generous, will break the tyranny of treasure in your life. And you'll be amazed at how much less worrisome possessions and time become for you when you are generous and you begin telling your time where it's going to be spent. You begin telling your Um, possessions, finances, your stuff, what it's going to do. So practice generosity in all things this week, even even if it's just a little bit. And you need to start somewhere and it will never be easier to start than it is right now. We often wait and think, well, I'll do this when the timing's right, whatever, but but the time is never going to be right. It's never going to be perfect. There's never going to be an easier time to start being generous than right now. So I encourage you to do that this week. Send your treasure someplace important. Send it someplace that matters. Your heart's going to follow it. And you really need to give Jesus control of your treasure. And he's going to use that to help people. He's going to use that to you know support your church, all these different things. So break that tyranny. Be generous. Be giving with your time, your treasure. 
and your stuff. I encourage you to do that this week and I encourage you as well to stick with your reading. Keep going. You're doing an amazing job. And I really hope and pray that you have a great week and I look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today on the PC Speaking Podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Through the Bible in a Year. If you have found this helpful, please follow the podcast and share it with a friend. It is our hope and prayer that every episode helps enrich your relationship with God and His Word. Even if the drums start beating.